Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I'm your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley. We are also brought to you by Chevalier Mortgage. Both Mike and Virginia have been in the business for a very long time here in Colorado. You can head on over to dnvrmortgage.com to sign up for a free consultation and get yourself some free DNVR merch as well. Jump on it today, dnvrmortgage.com, or call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578. going to be a fun day on the podcast, I predict, because we are talking about some of the best players on the Avs lineup, not Nathan McKinnon, because, well, he's not in the Avs lineup tonight. Who? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who is that? The Avs don't need him to win. Doesn't not, not around for the last win. Don't remember they exist. Might as well be irrelevant. Uh, starting with Miko Rantanen. And I think people in Colorado understand or at least consider Miko Rantanen an elite winger. But I don't know how widespread that thought is around the league. I don't think it's that widespread, honestly. We saw a handful of years ago now when McKinnon came in second in the heart voting was because, oh, well, he was playing with Miko Rantanen. So they know who he is. They understand. But I don't think particularly what we've seen out of Miko this season, I don't think the the league is quite aware of what's happening yet. So I, we wanted to get into a little bit of the conversation of where does Miko stand against his peers in the NHL? First of all, there are wingers and then there are right wingers and left wingers. Now, plenty of wingers play both positions. Miko's done a little bit of that, but generally plays the right side. AJ, is there a case for a better right winger in the league right now? Yeah. Definitely. If you ask Paul Maurice, he'll say Blake Wheeler. And if you dare criticize him, he might have a breakdown. Uh I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw what happened in Winnipeg today, but it was weird. (laughs) It was weird. I did not see this. Paul Maurice is extremely protective of Blake Wheeler's feelings. Okay. (laughs) Check Just check it out sometime. Scott Billick has a great thread on uh, on Twitter of what went down. It was weird. I've never heard a coach like personally protect a player in any sport like in, in quite in quite the way that he did. It it was weird. All right. Good start. Strange strange times in Winnipeg, yeah. to say the least. Blake Wheeler, one of the few players that does have more points than Miko. Uh, with 11 points in 11 games, you also have. Uh, I watched their. Uh, I watched their their overtime the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, both he and Shifley made decisions that made me legitimately wonder if they'd ever played three on three before. <laughs> and like, obviously, they yes, the answer is yes. They've played a lot of it, but they both did some of the dumbest things I've ever seen in three on three. And I've watched the Abs lose. A lot in three-on-three over the last few years. A lot of it because they just did mind-bendingly stupid things. So to watch to watch Mark Shifley carry the puck into the bench while three guys were changing, like physically just like ran into everybody and then lost the puck and was like, 
what happened. It was like, what the hell did you think was going to happen, bro? It was so weird. Anyway. Yeah. To to get back on point, if we're looking strictly at points production, Miko is in, in sixth. You have Mitch Marner at the top with 14. Uh, Brock Besser, the only person who has more goals than Miko as far as right wings are concerned. There's no way Brock Besser is better than Miko. I agree. There's I agree. No we'll get there. You have the conversation of Patrick Kane. Not quite as young as he used to be. Um, is he playing on the right side? I'd probably not, but the NHL.com says he does. Okay. So I mean, I'm at that point. Like, I know they've had so many injuries that he's probably just playing. He's all three forward positions yeah. at this point, basically. Mark Stone's another good one. Yeah, Mark that, that was really the next good. one I was going to get to. Uh, Mark Sorry. Stone has 11 points in seven games, uh, but Stone and Wheeler, to a certain extent, a little bit. Their production is primarily assists this year. Stone with nine assists, two goals. Wheeler eight to three. Whereas Miko is is the opposite with seven goals yeah. on the year. Um, you look at uh, points per game because you kind of have to do a little bit of that uh, this season. You have Stone very much up at the top there, and then Marner, and then you know if you exclude all the guys that have played like four games or whatever, you start getting into Wheeler and Rand, and at that point, but. Miko's production this year is—it's—it's it's funny because he's lacking on the assists, and that's right. because Nathan McKinnon can't score goals anymore. Right. <laughs> McKinnon has just two goals on the season, so Miko's like, I guess I'll start scoring. But his production—you're starting to see this year, I think. And you know what? Maybe you saw some of this two years ago too, but. He is able to drive play for himself very, very significantly coming off of the wing. Having a 6-4 frame doesn't hurt that, but he's putting it to use in in ways that are undefendable. Like, legitimately, what do you do if Miko Rantanen decides he's going to come down the wall and just run you over? Uh, well, he tried to do it last night to Jonas Brodine, and Brodine defended it really well, because um, that's what he does. <laughs> but I think Brodine is probably one of the better on puck, like straight up defenders in the NHL. Um, but he even even then, like he would still Miko Miko got his fair share of chances. He's the the way that he's physically uh, imposing as well, especially along the boards this season has been really impressive. It he's getting dirty with guys, and it's like when he when he starts to figure that part of the game out and starts and start and, and it's not so much the really high level fancy stuff, and it's yeah. it's the really the gritty. Hell's yeah, <laughs> and. It's it's crazy to me because you look at his size and he doesn't have to be this extremely skilled guy over the ice, but has a fantastic one-timer from the right circle. Top three backhand in the league, possibly. One of the yeah, best man. saucer passers in the league, if not the best. His playmaking is really, really underrated. Um when you look at some of the wings uh, that we talk about 
at the very tip top, right or left. You know, you look yep. at Kane, uh, you look at Panarin, yep. you look at the no joke like Blake Wheeler. He's been such a high assist guy for so long now. Uh, you look at a Mitch Marner. Those guys are all just tremendous playmakers, and I think it's one of the things that gets overlooked with Rantanen because he's feeding McKinnon. Where it's like, oh, well, he just gives the puck to McKinnon and McKinnon does. Like, like it gets talked about, like McKinnon just, you know, dances through 12 guys and then makes something magical happen and Miko just happens to be on the score sheet with it. And it's like, no, Rantanen is a tremendous passer. Yep. And his his ability to make plays is, is really... Um, it's really... It's. I think it's league-wide. I think it's really underrated in Colorado. We're so accustomed to it that we see that he drops 50 assists a year, and we're just like, oh, that's a normal thing. <laughs> but there are other teams out there who would straight cut a man to try and get a right wing that would give them 50 assists. Yeah, it's, it's really... This is, I, I guess this is a recurring theme for many elite players around the league. You you occasionally get a unicorn, like a Patrick Laine, something like that, where they have one facet of their game that they're just so unbelievably good at that that alone pushes them into a, a category that very few people can get into. But what we've seen from Miko and what makes him so great in the NHL is how well his ability has rounded out on the whole, at the very least offensively, defense is not terrible, but it's still certainly not what you're asking Nico to play out there. But his offense is now become, uh, I want to say like a triple threat, but it's like a quintuple threat, right? He could do anything in the offensive zone. He can dig out pucks. He can pass. He can mm-hmm. shoot. He can draw players to him. It's, it's He's just unlimited potential in the offensive zone. Yeah, and I think he's had a nice step forward defensively. Um, yeah, he's not going to confuse anybody with a guy like Mark Stone, <laughs> who is an incredible defensive winger. But the effort and the the tryhard is there, and I think that once a guy makes a commitment to being good in that zone, it's only a matter of time. Yep, it's it's one of those areas of the game where we. We've seen this many, many times. I think the key pieces to the Avs back when Duchesne was a key piece to the Avs, he got to that fourth, fifth year of his career, and you started to see that defensive side of his game pick up. Nathan McKinnon, the same thing. Over these last two years, McKinnon's defense has improved leaps and bounds from what it was when he first entered the league. It's defense is something that takes a little bit more focus uh, to improve on at this level, a, a concerted effort from a player. And when a McKinnon, when a Rantanen reaches the level that they are offensively and starts to improve their defensive game, that's when teams should be afraid. <laughs> because you know the Avs are already playing those guys 23, 24, 25 minutes a night when they need to win. Yeah, it's it's just a nightmare. It's not something you want to play against. Um, 
we can take our first period break there as this podcast is brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Head on over to the DNVR bar where you can get eight different beers from them on tap. Or, of course, always go to the farmhouse down in Littleton, which has all of their flavors. You can get curbside pickup from them. Use code dnvr to get five dollars off when you pick up from them and of course use their breck beer locator online to find breckenridge beer near you at your local liquor store aj's giggling about something over here i i don't know why the max super chat is five hundred dollars i i don't know i think it's just the idea that somebody would spend that kind of money on a super chat is tremendously funny to me yeah i Anything over like twenty is insanity. <laughs> like, yeah. let alone five hundred. I mean, I've been I've been so poor most of my adult life that even twenty bucks, I'm like, you just got that sitting around. I mean, I I hear you, nice. but like, I watch enough Twitch to be like, oh, a twenty yeah, dollar donation. Like, I've seen it. That's big, but I've it's seen true. it. Someone donates five hundred dollars, and like the streamer runs around the room and poops himself like yeah i've been i mean I've, I've watched one of those small streamers where they get they get raided and then somebody so, you know a whale drops an 800 dollar donation I, i've seen like a hundred dollar donation and you know that that and like that person legit just starts bawling right. like, that's exactly what it would happen to me if we were if you and i were streaming something and somebody was like here's a even even a 500 dollar super chat i would be like that's like a life-changing amount of money. <laughs> like for some of us, like I mean, five hundred dollars, like it's not going to change my life, but boy, <laughs> does it ever just like, oh my gosh, yeah, being, being poor sucks. <laughs> it does. You know who isn't poor? Miko Raymond is not poor. I'm I'm curious about. Um, so the other question about Crosby coming to the Avs after he's a UFA. That yeah. happens in 2025. That's, yeah. Four years from now is when that even becomes a conversation. Yeah, so... And seems unlikely. There's no way it ever... There's no way the Avs ever trade for him, basically, unless they're giving him away. So... It's, I was going to say something, but it's too soon, so I'm just going to move on. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> As much as the McKinnon Crosby meme is great, were you about to make a Nolan Arenado? Nope, no, no, it's too soon. It's too soon. Um, I would say this: the question that Chris Greenway, um, the that he asked, he's about the expectation for Miko and how does his current pace compare? It's. I think the expectation for Miko is point per game, right? I think so. Like that's kind of the 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 area that we have Pick. we've seen him produce for the last three years in that in that range, and so I think that it's become a reasonable expectation. Regular season and postseason, he's been a point per game player, and so I think that's I think that's a fair place for us to kind of have those expectations. His current pace would be a little bit behind that again because the assists are really lagging back. I mean, but he's McKinnon had two goals game, but yeah, like McKinnon had two goals. Um, Landis Cog's off to a slow start. 
if those guys pick it up, naturally you'll see Ranton and uh, the assist total start to come up as well. And then I think, you know, he's been one of the top scoring players since his sophomore year in the league. He's been one of the top scoring players. Yep. Uh, on a point per game basis, um, be, he missed so many games last year that if you were to just go and look at raw points over that over the last three years, he gets dinged a little bit for that. But the point per game, he would be right in there. It's so, right on it. And yeah. let's if your expectation is a point per game player and you're living up to that, you're elite. Correct? Like there's no yes. there's no argument against that. Yep. There's no, there's no nitpicking in my opinion. There's no nitpicking a point per game player. Yep. Like JT Miller last year was a point per game player, and instead of, instead of being like, wow, what a what a great season he had, it was a lot of. Well, Pedersen carried him in MVP caliber season and all this, not, and it's like, okay, <laughs> now that it's not happening again, it's like, well, so maybe you should have just enjoyed that a little more. If you'll uh, if you'll let me nerd out about the advanced statistics for just a minute here, of right wingers that have played at least fifty minutes this year, Miko Rantanen has generated the most shot attempts while on the ice. He has the second best Corsi percent possession metric at over sixty two percent offensive offensive control. He generates some of the best expected goals for rates, some of the best scoring chance rates, some of the best high danger chance rates across the board. Miko Rantanen is his underlying metrics are a machine. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what's so exciting about him is that look how the bread gets made here a little bit. He's probably not going to keep scoring six goals in, in seven games, things like that. But, the production is not out of the norm at all as far as points per game relative. You can expect that to continue, if not move even more in the correct direction for Miko. And he might not be the one scoring the goals, but the on-ice shooting percentage for Miko is only 9.47%. So the number of goals going in is totally normal. His PDO is a little bit high because... Philip Grubauer is saving 95% of pucks while he's on the ice, which is crazy. But it's everything about Miko's play screams sustainable for a guy who is in the upper echelon at his position. Yeah, he, um, I mean, every the defensive advanced statistics aren't great. Um, they've never been that great. And I think that's why the analytics community has kind of been tepid on him. Uh, as as a star caliber player because the two-way play hasn't been there. The underlying stuff, it's still not there. Uh, like I said, he's not going to confuse anybody with Mark Stone. Um, and where Mark Stone is succeeding is that his offense has come around. And... Yeah, but I just watched... Dominant. I just watched Leon Dreisaitl win a Hart Trophy with disastrous defensive metrics. So. It's true. Yeah. I mean, he also scored, what, like 120 points or 110 points in 70 he, games or something? He did, like, but... And that I, was that was what drove that. It was, it was a dominant offensive performance. I don't... So. And the thing is, I, I it would not surprise me if a year like that is somewhere in Miko's future. Yeah, I mean, I, I agreed. Like, I, I think 
it's I wouldn't say it's an expectation, but I would say it would not be a shock if at at Rantanen's peak he has a fifty point or a fifty goal season. Yeah. It it certainly has the talent for it. Yeah. But just I mean, get hot or things go right or whatever. We've seen him score what in the high thirties? Did he get and 38, 37? Yeah. He's a guy that hasn't 30 was okay. So 31 was actually his high watermark. Okay. So not, he, not that he, high, but in his career, he's gone 20, 29, 31, 19. Obviously the 19 was in 42 games. Played. Yeah. Um, so it would still take a big leap, but again, this is a guy that has never had, 200 shots on goal career shooting percentage of 16%. Right. He's shooting 16.1%. And the crazy part is, is that it's gone up a little bit consistently in his career. His first year when he had a 20 goal season, he shot 15%. Then it was 16.29, then 1606, 17.8 right now, 17.5. So a 16.1% career shooter. That's an elite shot, a truly elite shot. And we've talked that the one-timer, the backhand, the, his, his ability to do it in so many different ways makes him such a lethal threat. Um, ben, I want to get to your question. Yeah, here I, I wanted to talk about that too a little bit. But. I, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely touch on it, but I want to wrap up our – I want to have the Miko discussion we wanted to have first. Let's eat this cake real quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I and I think that with with Ranton and an increase in mindset, the fact that he has forty shots on goal through eleven games, that's something that we've talked about with him. Where it is, that's that's almost a three hundred shot on goal pace across an entire season. And if he does that. He's he's gonna push. He's gonna score. He's gonna push fifty. Yep. And so you know the the big question is is are the Abs as a team better off? Do, what does it even matter if McKinnon goes from being a forty goal scorer to a thirty goal scorer, and he goes and Miko goes from thirty to forty? You aren't losing anything. It's just a different guy getting it. the The question is is can they both score forty per? While generating, you know, does yeah, sure. Without you know, while, while generating taking away from anything goal. else, yeah. How many shots on goal does? How many shots does McKinnon need to give up in order to to give those? You know, for Miko to get those it, because they 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 work together almost exclusively. Right. They play so much together. It's, it's a question of how far can they push the possession dominance, right? Yeah. Because to generate more shots, you have to have more offensive zone time and, and straight up more attempts to shoot the puck. And, you know, if, if teams continue to struggle to defend them, because right now when McKinnon and Rantanen are on the ice, there is no way that you can defend both of them effectively Sometimes, I mean, you know, situationally dependent, of course, but teams can't just double team McKinnon like we saw at the start of this year. If you double team McKinnon, then guess what? Miko's going to start throwing pucks into your net. So 
it's really tough for other teams to do it. And it's a matter of how much can they maximize that pressure between the two of them yeah, to drive even more production home. And you get into another conversation there of, of how much can you push the playing time on these guys? Yeah. But, you know, maybe, maybe a conversation for another day, a little bit there. Um, the the point with Miko here is, I'll, I'll put you on the spot a little bit, AJ. But yeah. Miko, top five winger in the league, top three, top ten. I would say if we're counting right and left, I would say top ten. Okay, um, because Mitch Marner is fantastic. Mark Stone is the best two way guy in the game. Um, Artemi Panarin is the most dynamic offensive winger in hockey right now. There's there's three right there. Yep. Um, and then you get into some of these other guys that, you know, where you, I think you can make the argument. I think, you know, Patrick Kane, et cetera, et cetera. I think that you can, without Nathan McKinnon, this is his opportunity the next however long it is, two to weeks, three weeks, whatever. Top five, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. If Rantanen, if Rantanen just keeps chugging along and he's still humming along point-per-game pace, scoring goals, dominating and doing all that without McKinnon, I mean, we saw last year what that did for Dreisaitl's heart campaign when Connor McDavid got hurt for like 11 games and – Dreisaitl scored like 25 points in that time or whatever. And it, and then everybody was like, see, he's not just a product of McDavid. Yep. This is this is Miko's chance to kind of prove that to himself too. And I think that it's a it's a great chance for him to prove to himself. He doesn't need Nathan McKinnon. Not that I think he believes that, but if he gets into a mindset where he understands he can dominate no matter who he's playing next to. I think it just, it's, it's all the better for the ads in the future. Now, if it goes the other way, maybe this hurts. For sure. If, if he struggles a bit over the next two weeks. Yeah. And it starts to look like he's really dependent on, on, on McKinnon. Maybe we start to look at things a little bit differently. I don't know. I, you know, (laughs) They're, they're, they're probably going to play together for a long, long time. So yeah. it may not matter that much, but it will be interesting to see how Rantanen handles it. And I would say right now, top 10. Um, before before so, going higher than top 10. You say it so somberly, like it's, oh, he's only top 10. Well, and, and because I know like the hype that we've, we've put on him and that's kind of been around him this year from Avs fans because he's been so damn good. Um, it's, it does feel almost like I'm, I'm kind of shorting him potentially. I hear you. I ask again in two weeks is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but I, sky's the limit there. And I think that's the story for a lot of guys. Like one we're going to talk about a little bit here in Bowen Byron for the abs is yeah. the abs are no longer about reaching a floor of play. The question is, what is the ceiling? Yeah. And we will get to that, but we do need to take our second period break first. 
This podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. You can head on over to DraftKings.com sportsbook to enter into that Super Bowl prediction contest. $55 million in prizes they're giving away with up to a million dollars per person if you get all the predictions correct. And you're guaranteed to win a little bit just for entering. I think you can win up to... 25,000 bucks just for entering. I'm not sure what the exact number is, but why not go get yourself some free money just for trying to predict the Super Bowl. It's a blast. You can have a ton of fun on there. There's also a bunch of odds boosts, a bunch of crazy stuff you can make for bets if you want to throw a little bit of money down on the Super Bowl. So jump on over there, get in on it. No brainer bets that are basically free money. Odds boosts that can make you win crazy amounts of money. What I don't. The only abs bet we ever recommend is Miko for over on the shots because that one is like nine and two or something on the year. Free money. It's yeah. free money. If you beat Miko, if you bet Miko over on shots every day, you'd be up like five units. It's ridiculous. So there you go. Go make yourself money on the abs as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to get a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in Sunday's game. Pretty sure there's going to be a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Not you know, not 100%, but pretty confident. You can also get that new user sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Just head on over there and use code DNVR when you sign up. Let them know we sent you to get your chance at all of those bonuses. Must be 21 or older. Colorado Oni. Colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match each up to $500 deposit bonus requires 25 X playthrough restrictions apply. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. Give them a problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. Third period of the DNVR avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings sportsbook. AJ, do we want to get to that question from Ben now yeah, before we so jump into Bo? So some good questions from chat today. Yeah. Chat's been, chat's been popping. Um, so Ben asks, if you didn't watch yesterday's podcast, first of all, go watch it because AJ was popping off. Uh, we talked yesterday about a game where the Tyson Joe's hate seems to be never ending. But at the same time, we also talked about poor play from Avalanche players. And mm-hmm. uh, for, I'll speak for myself, but from my side of things, uh, the separator between calling out a player for bad play in a hockey game and the persistent negative feedback loop that people seem to be stuck in with Tyson Jost. They're two very different situations. I have no problem with people calling out Tyson Jost when he plays a bad game and needs to be doing something better. Yeah. And I even put the caveat in there last night. If you want, if you, if you're, if all you want is to expect more from Tyson Jost offensively, that's fine. Uh, if if your frustration with Tyson Jost is that it it feels like he's ninety percent of a really good NHL player, and it's that last ten percent that's missing, and that it's it's always something, right? It's a bad bounce, it's a bad break, it's whatever. The reality is, is through ten games, the guy has one assist, and that's your frustration. That's fine. My frustration, my frustration last night was that. When he missed the empty net, my uh, like missed. You know, I think he hits. I think he hit the side of the net. Yeah, with defenders um, in front, and then well, and then pins the puck and ends the game. So he, he won the game the either way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he scores the goal. He does. He accomplishes the same thing if he scores the goal or doesn't. And then even if he had scored the goal, 
people people would have dinged him for only scoring an empty net goal. Um, but my frustration last night was that people wanted to celebrate him missing the empty the empty net because they want to be right about they want to feel justified in their anger towards him. It's not about it's not about criticizing players. I'm not saying people can't criticize Tyson Jost. It's that they want to dogpile on him. It's that every 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 year, every sports team, its fan bases have developed their the the whipping boys, yeah. the 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 targets of criticism for Tyson Jost's entire career. It's been him, and wanting more from a player, a player that was drafted in the top ten, not living up to expectations and such. That's a perfectly natural thing. That's something. That's something that we're all going to have conversations about forever. And I don't have any issues with criticisms of a player as it relates to their on-ice ability. But when it crosses over into celebrating a player's failures because you're so desperate to be right in that conversation, the difference the difference between, Ben, what you were, your examples, I even said, I hope Sheldon Dries' family isn't watching. Because this isn't personal. It's not personal when I say Sheldon Dries isn't an NHL player, an NHL caliber player. I, it's not. It's not personal when I say Landeskog was trash last night. To a man, I bet you Gabe Landeskog would say the same thing. It's that he has a lot better. But going out of your way to dogpile on top of a player who is struggling because you want to be right in the conversation and because you want to celebrate a player's failures. I'm not about that, man. I'm not about it. And especially I'm especially not about it in regards to a player who works his ass off, who is absolutely when it comes to quality of a human being, he is absolutely everything that a fan base should want from a player representing their team, their organization, the guy he go he's active in the community he's active he's active you know helping out with teammates he's great in the locker room he is he's a he is a wonderful human being he is a great dude he's got an incredible work ethic he does everything right nobody should be celebrating the failures of somebody who does everything right i'm I would even go a step further and say part of the problem for me in this conversation, specifically with Jost, is if you're going to criticize him, be accurate in your criticisms. I'm so tired of waking up to someone telling me that Tyson Jost should not be an NHL player because the dude is an NHL player on pretty much every team in the league. He's well, and at $900,000, he is perfectly fine yep like and again i am not saying you cannot criticize tyson jost there's plenty there that you can be frustrated with like plenty that's not the conversation at all i don't like telling people how to be or how to act it's just there's there's a certain thing this is my own personal crusade here i i I'm over the way that we want to tear everybody down. Everybody. All the time. The way that we, like, societally, 
seek to rip apart everything instead of instead of celebrating some of the good things that we can. You know, the Tyson Jost has taken huge steps forward in the last two years towards being a really, really serviceable bottom six player. The offense needs to come. And I've always, always, always agreed with that. The production has to be there in order for him to continue to justify staying in the lineup. Otherwise, and I use this comparison all the time because it was very apt, you're Gabe Bork. There are a lot of Gabe Borks in the in the world. You should you should definitely be you have to you have to you have to produce offensively to stay in the NHL. Here's, it's just the truth. Here's a even that statement you can talk about a lot of people use the Gabe Bork comparison as a negative. And if you're comparing a 10th overall pick to becoming Gabe Bork, maybe there's not value there. But Gabe Bork played over 400 NHL games. That dude is absolutely a career NHL hockey player. And in the grand scheme, if you look outside of hockey, the 0.1% of hockey players that have long NHL careers, you're doing okay if you're Gabe Bork. So well, and that guy, he's bounced around. I mean, he had a job in Winnipeg last year. Like that guy just keeps finding work in the NHL because he's one, he's he works really hard. He's a quality teammate, a quality person who puts the work in. And the NHL, maybe more than any other league out there, values that. Values doing things the right way. So I think that's just before I mean, not to not to relitigate the conversation from last night. Just that was that is the difference in that question. In no way am I saying that people can't criticize players. I would never say that. Simply that it last night there it, it crossed into territories that I was uncomfortable with, where people were celebrating the failures of a guy that they are, are perpetually frustrated by. And I don't think that's necessary. Being frustrated by a guy is fine. That's sports. That's fandom. That's humanity. But dogpiling on somebody, um, I'm not. I I don't. I don't like it. For sure. Be good to each other as human beings. Always. Uh, also. Be excellent to each other. Yeah. Bill and Ted had it right. Exactly. You can also. Be excellent if you want to come hang out and chat. Talk about your frustrations with us five days a week. Be sure to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel because, uh, oh, yeah, you can hit that notification bell as well because, you know, we're, we're live here. We're always talking avalanche hockey and otherwise hockey. So come on down. Be sure to uh, to watch on YouTube. It's the best place to, to get involved in the chat. I know we always have people talking on uh, Periscope as well, but the mass of the community is on the YouTube chat. So if you want to be part of the group, Head on over there. Do part of that. Let's get into what we were supposed to talk about in this third segment. Bowen Byram. All questions about him remaining in the NHL are now gone as he has played eight games. So two games beyond the limit. And he ain't coming out of the lineup anytime soon. We talked about this in the preseason, how... Yes, we did expect Bowen Byram to be on the NHL lineup. Um, we had a we had a part of our preseason predictions was how many games does he play, and I think we both said 40. forty. Yeah, and that the number now looks like it might be fifty-two. 
it's what I was actually thinking about that 40 last night, and I was like, that number's low. Yeah, it's definitely looking low for sure. Um, but if we if we cross the baseline that Bowen Byram is a permanent NHLer at this point, yeah, what are reasonable to look at for expectations for him across a season? Because he's played eight games, he's done some exciting stuff. Right now, he's sitting on one assist. And that's it for a stat line. A couple of penalties that we've talked about. Would like to see him rein that in. But boy, is he fun to watch. I So for the record, I actually had a dream. My dream last night. Oh, boy. Um, and Z, Z can attest to. Um, I talk in my sleep. Uh, and she says that I talk about hockey almost exclusively. <laughs> um, and that... Last night, I, my dream was about Bowen Byron scoring his first angel goal. And it got taken away because they determined that Jonas Donskoy tipped it. Oh. For the third goal of a hat trick. Oh. And then ultimately, it, they cha- it got challenged. And they took the goal away entirely because of a high stick. So no hat trick, no bow goal. Exactly. And then, and then I woke up and was like, that dream sucked. <laughs> what's the, what's that meme with the the chick and the guy in bed sleeping together? We need this meme to get made where the the chick is like, <laughs> I bet he's thinking about other girls, yeah. and the guy for AJ right now is like, When's Bopar? We're gonna get his first goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like it's that's. It's, this, this, this is the stuff that I think about. <laughs> uh, so, but but to 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 build on on your point here, um, like ex- like he's looked really really good. There's there's some areas that he needs to really improve upon. His work on the power play has not been good. Yeah, um, I would agree. The drop on that second power play unit. It's messy. <laughs> From Taves to Byram has been significant. Um, so that's that's pro- an area where we thought he would transition and, and look good immediately. He hasn't. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder how much of that is um, that G is kind of the quarterback of that second unit. Yeah. He's sort of the focal point running the show up top. And Byram is kind of the other guy on the other side well, that, that comes down on the half wall. It's and, yeah, I I think you're right. Like look at how they ran it with Gerard and Taves, right? The play that everyone lost their mind over is Taves staying high at the point and Gerard being the player that penetrates. You've already seen it at the NHL level. When Bowen Byram is at his best in the offensive zone, it's when he's moving his feet, when he's has the puck on his stick and when he's yeah. drawing players to him. Mm-hmm. It's it's a hard fit for me. The way Gerard wants to play the power play and the way Byron wants to play the power play, I think are a little too similar. Yeah. We don't really know what Bo's what, what Byron's shot is going to look like. At the NHL level, sure. Yeah, in the NHL. And we haven't seen him unleash it much. Yeah, he's he's it, been his 
And, and in the WHL, his bread and butter is his wrist shot. He's not a mm-hmm. guy booming shots from the point. So there hasn't been a lot of that coming out of him where you want to see him cut down, cut to the center of the ice and get a wrister off. But <laughs> I don't want to overstate his ability, but similar stylistically to what Makar loves to do, cutting through the middle and, and murdering people. That's how Bo, I think, is going to start scoring goals. But, you know, if if he can't beat NHL goaltenders, then that's a bridge you have to cross. Yeah. And, like, that was something that we've had to – that's something we've had to learn over time with Gerard. Yep, for sure. Dude just um, does not – isn't going to score a lot of goals in the NHL. Yeah. Never will. And that's that's okay. But Byron was also a guy – that scored, I think, 30 goals his last two years in the WHL. Yep. Had- um, so there's, I think there's just a higher expectation here that he is going to be a guy that does find the net. Uh, it's just got to be, how. what does it look like? Yeah. You know, how... How do you put him in a place to succeed, for sure? We, we You look at Makar's 12 goals last year and how many of them were him throwing pucks from up top. Not many. The one look at look at where he scored the goal that he he has scored this year. Is he at the top? Is he right up there at the blue line? No. And I think that's where Byram. I think that's where Byram's got to f- kind of figure it out. Yep. Is he has to get to that the, comfort zone? The he's got to he's got to find the success. Himself. Yep. Yep. Um, for sure. He's got to find that success and say. Where am I? Where am I? Where is this going to work? Because I think that there's plenty of there's plenty there. I personally think that he's a guy that could be an eight to twelve goal guy. Like, yeah, I, I somewhere, think somewhere in that range on a consistentish basis. Again, and I stress this a lot because people give me the Makar is going to score multiple thirty goal season stuff sometimes because McKinnon said it on on a <laughs> podcast, and it's like that's happened exactly one time in thirty years. Um, so let's not get too there's, excited. There's still defensemen reigning um, in a little but bit. Yeah. Defenseman goal scoring specifically is very random. Like, yeah. and my favorite example was looking at Sergey Gonchar, who and <laughs> there was there there was a five year stretch where he was just pouring in goals, and then in the middle of that stretch, he had a two goal season where he shot like one percent, and. It for no for no reason, no rhyme or reason whatsoever. It just happens sometimes with defensemen. Defenseman goal scoring is very random. So when I say eight to twelve, I'm talking about like an average across like five years. Yeah, somewhere somewhere in that in that range, I think is where he probably settles yeah. in. You could see a five goal season and a twenty goal season in there. But. You could ease right. I mean, you remember Nick Holden had a ten goal season. Ryan Graves scored nine last year. Like sometimes these things just fall out of the sky and it just works for a dude. Yep. And for a guy as talented as Byram, if he has one of those years where everything is dropping, it could be a twenty goal season for him. For sure, because he has that kind of talent, and he attacks with the puck in such a way. For his expectations for this year, assuming um, I think Z had back to back seven goal seasons. I don't think he ever hit ten. Sounds right. Um, but I think, uh, but again, you'd probably want to look that up just to check. Um, with Byram, I think that when assuming the Taves injury is not significant, 
he could lose some of that power play time because he has not done a lot to say this has to stay. I didn't like I we've got to keep it. No one's written a fanfic about it yet. So, well, that's probably just because I haven't gotten around to asking Cassie for it yet <laughs> at this point. I think she's I think she's ready to rock anytime we have a anytime we have a uh, a topic a request. Yeah, um, <laughs> tremendously creative people, man. It's for sure. They're they're unbelievable to watch at work. Um, I'm. Back to back seven. Yep, you were right. you were on the money. That's awesome. Some things I can, some things I got, some things I don't. <laughs> um, with Byram, there's so much to like. Um, there, there really is. Uh, that we're gonna see, we're gonna see the ups and downs. I'm really curious where his production goes because I can see the wide range. You can see he starts to the the points start to drop. Like yep. last night, he he almost scored last night. I thought he did at one point. Like, <laughs> like it was there. He's still reading the play. Uh, he's still jumping in aggressively. He's still figuring it out. But you can also see the coaching working. Yep. I, where they're talking to him and they're like, buddy, you turn it cannot, down and not on occasion. <laughs> you cannot be six steps inside the blue line at all times. <laughs> you have got to fit, you've got to pick your spots. Yeah. When you see the open ice, jump into it. But you cannot pick your you, – you cannot just constantly be like, oh, the puck is rimming around the boards. I'm I'm going. You're taking years off of Bednar's life with some yeah. of those defensive covery, recoveries. Yeah, I, made, I mean, so. can you imagine the, the antacid <laughs> tablets that Nolan Pratt is popping every <laughs> Bowen Byram shift those first few games? Where he's like, this is a lot of fun to watch because this, this kid is dynamite. But he is making me nervous. What is uh, the the Tierney uh, upper corner thing? We may win, but I may die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, I I do think it's hard for him to to place expectations. But we talked about it on last night's show. You know, Blaze talked about already. You can see his defensive positioning is getting better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's most encouraging about Bone Byram is that if he's making gains on what he needs to do at an NHL level eight games into his career this quickly, <laughs> uh, you know, he'll end up doing whatever the Avs need him to do at that. Yeah. Point. And not to, since the, we're, we've sort of tangentially touched on him here, uh, and not to pick on Nikita Zadorov, but look at the way his game kind of stagnated over time. Yeah. And the way that you kind of got frustrated where you were like from day one to from, from his first five games as an F to his last five games as an F, you felt like he was good at the same things. He and played he his way. At the same things. He played his way into a situation where he became a known quantity with what was going to be lacking when you put him on the ice. Mm-hmm. There was never that next step for him to, to get to, I, where the Avs wanted him to be, I'll, I'll put it that way, because yeah. the, again, another guy who's still absolutely an NHL player, but you have oh, to understand totally. a player's limitations and your usage of them. Yeah, um, to see Byron point the the point being made, a larger point being made, 
to see Byram already responding to the coaching the way that he has is really encouraging. Yep, for sure. Um, and- I I think that they're going to continue to. But I put out that tweet yesterday. It said, "Me, you know, an idiot." Yeah. <laughs> The abs, the abs. It's gonna, it's gonna take a while before the their top pairing becomes Byram and Makar. The abs' response was, "How does eight game sound?" Oh, this is a masterpiece. Hang on. Thank you, Micah. I appreciate this very much. Can somebody send this to me? It's on Twitter. I retweeted it. Yes. <laughs> uh, Can someone get Z's profile picture from? Oh, there uh, you go. Yeah. Twitter and put it over the girl's face just to really make it like realistic <laughs> life. Uh, anyway, for back to uh, our topic <laughs> at hand. Uh, should we? Should I? Should I go down the full Homer road here? Should I? Should we have the conversation again of if Byram keeps improving at the rate that he does, the Avs might be legitimately a dynasty? <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. Um, they're two zero and one in the series against Minnesota, and Avs fans feel like they're in existential hell. <laughs> Because which is crazy to me, they but, uh, haven't won in a manner that has been particularly pleasing. Um, we've got five of the six possible points against a team everybody hates, and they're seven three and one on the season. A record, by the way, which had you said the abs are going to start seven three and one on the season, you probably would have said, "Okay, seems good. I'm good with that." Um. So I would say, sure. Go full homer with it. Enjoy. Five cups in eight years. You heard it here first. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe let's start with one, and who knows when that'll be. But the they have that talent, and I do. think that I think that when you and I have said a couple of times that there's a very real possibility that Colorado is better in three years than they are today. It's looking more and more like the reality. It's it's because at that point, Sam Gerrard is as good as he's ever going to be. He'll be 25. Kel McCarr will have probably freaking won a Norris by then. Bowen Byram will be fully realized. There's another podcast in here somewhere where Kale McCarr has won a Norris by 2022. So... Yeah, I'm just saying, like, when you have that kind of star power, you're always going to compete. Yeah. Because you find a way to pay those guys. You don't let you don't let the star players leave. You let the Excess Nick Letty pieces, and yeah. the Dustin Bufflins and the Christopher Steegs, those are the guys that got away from Chicago. Not... The stars, not Keith, not Seabrook, that they retooled well enough to get that third cup. Not Kane, not Taves. All yeah. the all the core pieces were always there. Yep. So that's yeah, and the entire second line that's in Colorado today may not be in Colorado in two years. 
It's absolutely true because Kadri could be gone. Uh, Brandon Saad most likely will be. Burkowski's deal will be up in two years, and if he continues to produce... Yeah, the rea- the reality of those three is in a couple years, you're looking at maybe one of them still being on the team. Yeah, and that's when that's when you talk yourself into Sampo Ranta and Alex Newhook. Exactly, <laughs> exactly right. Um, yeah, look, I don't, I, I ain't digging, I ain't digging in the negative vibes right now with the Avs because things are good. I know the injuries aren't great, but. Things are good for the Avs on the whole right now. They're pretty. Proving- I would. I would um, so JT's asked this question a couple times about sure. why the organization hasn't treated the forwards the same as the D. To be honest with you, Martin Count and Shane Bowers are not Bowen Byram and Kale McCarr. They're not. They're not on the same caliber of, of talent. Um, I'm. I will continue to punch a fist through a wall until I get to see a Shane Bowers NHL <laughs> debut. <laughs> I, but the the reality is is that Makar and Byram were special prospects, blue chip prospects. I think um, that you just said you have to be a moron to think that these guys can't fit. And Sam Gerard showed up at a time where they had all the time in the world for prospects to play in the NHL. It's why they did. It's why JT Comfort, Alex Kerfoot, Tyson Jost, Sam Gerard, they were all on the same team at the same time when they were rookies. I I do agree with what you said, but I do think there is a little bit more to that conversation with the likes of Connor Timmons getting opportunity, which the likes of Ryan Graves getting opportunity. It's a topic we can get into on another day, perhaps, but... Uh, but, yeah, it well, was tough to find one because they play all the goddamn time. Yeah, right. And Every other day we're, we're we doing have, a post game. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then we have Free Skate Friday, which is kind of a, a show of its own unique personality. Indeed. And then they play all weekend. And next thing you know, it's it's hard to have this conversation. The next time we might be able to have this conversation, both those guys could be in the lineup. Yep. It's very possible <laughs> that within two weeks, uh, those dudes are playing avalanche hockey. So, Ooh, I think about this a lot, actually. Uh, would the abs be better with Brady Kachuk or, or Byram? I mean, today the answer is probably Kachuk, right? But I, th- well, so the world, the world changes completely um, because you could also, you could also change it to Kirby doc. Like, yeah, and that's a whole different universe. But. Right, because there things don't happen. You know, Brandon Sod's not in Colorado. Nazem Kadri's probably not in Colorado. If they have <laughs> they have Brady Kachuk, Brandon Sod definitely isn't. Uh, if they have Kirby Doc, Nazem Kadri probably isn't. There's still a chance, but... I think that there's a chance just because the contract is such a good value. I, I hear you. And you're having a conversation there of how much time are they giving Kirby Doc in his rookie yeah. year. But... To be honest, Kirby Doc, Kirby Doc probably plays in the WHL last year. Yeah. If if the Avs draft him. Um, but then you're talking about you have... Well, if you draft Kirby Doc, do you still draft Alex Newhook at 16? Yeah, it's... it's... 
and the ripple effect is out of control. Right. Like it's such a it's such a different world. It's a crazy what if universe. How much harder do the Avs push to move up for Schneider in this last year's draft if they don't have Byram? I mean, yeah, if they don't have Byram, like where's their focus? Yep. You know, where does the what does the Nikita Zadorov trade yield them? Yep. So is it is it Duncan Keith instead of Brandon Saad? I hope not. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I just, <laughs> I don't. Need, I just don't know. I sure hope it's not Thomas Harley. Yeah, never been a big high. Never yeah. been very high on Harley. But anyway, Doc and Krebs would have been fun. Just saying. oh my god, dude. Uh, we do need to get out of here for the day. Uh, you can head on over to MSU Denver online if you want to sign up, get yourself back into classes. Looks like you've missed the date for the spring registration, at least for full-term classes, but you can still get in on their shorter part-of-term classes. There are four, six, eight, and week ones, I believe. Quote, Don't quote me on that. It's been a while since I've been there. Been there. But there are half-semester classes. You can also get yourself ready to go for the summer applications as well. Bunch of awesome opportunities there with teachers that are fantastic, have worked in the fields that they teach in. Check out MSU Denver EDU online and use code DNVR Sports to apply for free. Yeah, jump on it today. If you have questions, I went there. Both Allie and Harrison took classes last summer, so they will be happy to let you know anything you want to know about it. That's going to do it for us on today's show. Thank you everyone watching, listening, hanging out in the chat. There you go. Hit that like and subscribe button if you haven't yet. It helps us out a ton. As play Minnesota again tomorrow at home, going for the 3-0-1 without McKinnon. We'll be post-game for that. And then uh, good times free skate Friday on Monday. I believe the plan right now is you will see Evan on the post-game show Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you, if you want to hear from the Vsauce casting couch man himself, <laughs> tune in on Thursday, take it easy. Y'all have a good rest of your day.